To send me down the hole, to send me down the hole, to send me down the hole. Which way will I go? Go, you never, never know, you never, never know, you never know the right way till you've been wrong. No one, if you wanna shine, has your February clears, and what your March just disappears. Missing in the West, you follow the black cat, and even in your dreams, there are lights that can't be seen, and you're lost in where you've been. Well, I'm on my way to where I won't look back. I heard you say, with dismay, we're living on the tracks. I don't like the sugar, but I'm making my little Kentucky mules here, and I'm 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 excited to talk to you, man. We've been trying to do this for a long time, but I moved and didn't have my setup moved yet, and it's it's been a whole ordeal. But I'm finally finally here. Yeah, and I guess just uh, to intro you, I'm going to explain Drew and what Drew does. Um, so Drew hasn't joined us on the podcast in I don't know six months or so, but. Anyone who doesn't know, go back through history, find Drew, get the intro there. But I will tell you, I got to see Drew's operation in Columbus, the the grow up. And that's, if you had to describe what Drew does, or at least his physical operation, those two words, grow up, would describe it perfectly. Like if I didn't know better, I would walk in and go, oh, this dude just grows weed. Like I would just think that. I'd make a lot more money. That's for sure. If I did do that, that'd, that'd be nice and make a lot more money. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I grow microgreens. Um, in, a, in a very dense suburban neighborhood, you have a property where, where you yeah, grow it out I would, back. I would say urban. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, well, it's, at one point it was definitely suburban, but now it's, 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 te- it's pretty urban these days because uh, isn't that what you say when poor people live somewhere? It's urban yeah. unless it's a trailer park. Yep. Then it's a trailer park. Yeah, then it's rural. Then it's rural. Yeah, yeah. R- residential rural. So, um, yeah, I want to shout out. So, I mean, like, there's been a lot of people that helped me. I mean, you know, shout out to Rich, who's really helped me, uh, really helped me kind of implement. He saw what I was trying to do, and he really helped make it better, like make it a lot more clean. And, well, I'm sure whoever Rich is, he's listening. <laughs> he might be. Oh, I don't really? know. He does. He does listen. He did used to be a listener uh, when it was still puking the gang. Is this Rich that I know? Yeah, Rich uh, who was at the house. Rich. Uh, oh, that you met Rich. Him the- oh, okay. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, Rich. He didn't like that you wanted to send all the homeless people to Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Drew introduces me to this guy. He goes, "This is Andrew. He wants to send all the homeless people here on on a barge." Uh-oh. I was like, this is a guy you don't like because he wants to send all the homeless people here. So, but yeah, man. So what's, uh, what's, you know, we meant to talk about, um, we meant to talk about real estate a f- couple times and, yeah. and we kind of get into it a little bit. Um, man, I still haven't done a lot since. I mean, I, I did this rental I'm in, I, I do a first right refusal. So I thought, you know, I thought you'd be proud of me for that. I was proud of me. Because if you are going to rent, you want to get something. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that's with your, your current place that you're operating out of, right? Correct, yeah. And then my house, um, 
you know, I, I'm, I'm going to fix it up a little. I mean, you could see we were, we were going to start doing some work in there just to kind of fix it up. But the other house, I mean, the farm is pretty much pays cash flows, that property. And right now this one, I need to figure out, you know, some things to, I need to, you know, I need to, to get working on some more ways to make money to pay for this one. And, um, but I'm definitely feeling a lot better not sharing 710 square feet with another grown ass man with one toilet to go to the bathroom. At. So, so that, let me just, I'm going to lay out the landscape of, of your, your farm my house. Yeah. Your farm <laughs> property. So it's in a, a dense suburban neighborhood that maybe has transitioned to urban because the city grew, but, um, all the homes are the same. All the lot sizes are all the same. They're like a tenth of an acre or 0.15 acres. And yeah, exactly. they're all and that's perf- including the house. Yeah, they're all perfectly flat because it's Ohio. Um, and <laughs> the houses are all the exact same size. So that doesn't sound exciting, but it's kind of good. So if Drew has first right of refusal, that means if the landlord, the guy he rents from, goes to sell the house, Drew has the first option to buy it. And the cool thing about this is the house can't be worth that much because it needs updated. Like, no offense, but the kitchen is shitty, right? Well, no, no, no. That's my house. I own that house. So oh, that okay. house I own. So the house I'm renting now, um, uh, it it is it's it's been flipped. It's it's pretty beautiful, and it's actually it's like fifty. I, no, I didn't. I didn't get to show you. We went because we went straight from there, and we got brunch, and then you went straight to Pittsburgh. Um, it's a lot bigger. It's a Cape Cod. Um, it, it actually looks, it actually is way bigger than it looks. The yard's bigger. It's a corner lot house, um, but it's on a busy road. So the road is like, it's the next exit. So um, my house, the one house is in between like Weber and Hudson. And then this one is just one exit north on North Broadway. And North Broadway is a pretty busy road. So, and actually the busy part really ends right at my house. So the one disadvantage of it is you constantly hear traffic and everything else like that. But my house um, that you went to, I own that one. And yeah, the kitchen is shitty. I'm not offended. The floors are falling apart. Um, My buddy had bought that house, I think for like eight grand from the city. Right. And they, they wanted to tear it down and he put 10 into it. And then you you've seen what the 10 grand was. I mean, it, it wasn't much. It was, it made it livable. Um, the floors are shitty. Um, the, the insulation like is really shitty in the walls. Like you can't, you, there's not a ton of privacy in the house. Um, like it, even if you're, you're staying, if you're in the other room, you can typically hear what the other person has going on. Um, so yeah, I definitely like need some work, but it's livable. I mean, that's the biggest thing I would say. It's livable. And honestly, man, like I just wanted to make it fun. Like to me, like it took me a while to shift into the mindset of owning a house because I rented it for two years. And when I started the farm, I was still renting it. But here's the cool thing about that house. So obviously I didn't understand that you owned it versus rented it. But given the fact that you own it, I don't know what you're into it for. And you can you can say what you're into it for if you want. I bought it for forty five thousand, and I could probably sell it for eighty five now. Right, so you could sell it for eighty five as it sits right now, without doing any work. Probably, yeah. Just the way the market is, I would say so. So that's pretty fucking incredible, right there. So that's escape plan number one. But your priority, actually, escape plan number one, isn't an escape plan. It's just a cash flow plan, and that's 
treat it as a farm, which is what you're doing. But escape plan number two, sell it as is without doing any work for 85 grand. Escape plan three is do a little bit of work to fix the necessary items to rent it out. And what would that rent? What would that rent for? Um, I think I could easily get 700 to 800 bucks a month. Okay. So seven or 800 is probably a pretty good take if you don't have to put too much money into it. Um, yeah, but escape plan number, whatever the fuck we're on now is fix it up entirely and sell it. And that what's cool about this house as unsexy as it sounds that it's just a small house in a dense neighborhood with every house being the same is it's super easy to comp, right? Like you can go up and down the street and find the identical house on that block and see what the last transaction was, what it sold for, what condition it was in, if yours is better or worse, and then factor that that amount in, right? So you can sell it for more or less. Or you can see, okay, if these places are fully renovated, they're selling for 150. And can you get it fully renovated and still be well below that price? Yeah, so the, uh, the Zestimate is... On Zillow, so it's a three-bedroom, one bath, seven hundred and four square feet. Wow, it's smaller than I thought. Um, his estimate is eighty-seven thousand six hundred fourteen. Okay, and for this to sell it, and then if I rented it, eight seventy-five a month. I don't trust the the Zillow's estimates at all. Um, at least not around here. But here, here it's it's not it's it's not too un. It, it's decently accurate, and the reason why is because I. If you go just over the bridge, you go into hipster world, and my house would probably, just as is, if the house is on the other side of the highway, it'd probably be about $160,000. Yeah, my my interpretation of the uh, Columbus real estate market is, why the fuck are these people paying so much money? Yeah, I, I agree with you. But we're, what much like you're probably experiencing in... Um, Pittsburgh right now is just the exodus of um, people from like New York, California, a lot of those areas where people are leaving. A lot of the blue states. Um, I mean, you guys are technically a blue state, but you're not really a blue state. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I I can go outside and see nothing blue, but I'm not in Pittsburgh anymore. I'm in Butler. <laughs> but um, okay, so. I also have to say this because I didn't really get into detail on this when I recap my Columbus trip. Um, the last time we hung out was in the morning, totally sober, and it was the most cathartic day that I've had in I don't know how many months. And that's because I just showed up and you're like, yeah, you can help with the harvest. And I'm like, well, I just want to hang out with Drew. So if he needs help with the harvest, I'm happy to do it. But I also felt totally useless at first until we got to the point where I could just rinse things out in this uh, – industrial sink that reminded me of my pizza delivery guy days where I had to do dishes and I just got to sit there rinsing shit out handing trays of plants to Drew taking empty trays taking bins and just moving things around just physically moving things from one location to another and rinsing things out for I don't know what two hours it, it wasn't actually that long we got it knocked out in about an hour and a half I said "Ooh, it might take two hours and you're like ah two hours I'm like we'll see because I didn't, we'd cut back a lot on planting, and, and things were were dying down at the time. But uh, we did it for about, I would say, about just under ninety minutes, and you were super helpful. I told Tim, my shout out to Tim. He's like my my awesome helper. He works his ass off. Um, I was like, you could have learned a couple things from Andrew, man. When he's 
he was like, he, he, I didn't even have to move. He would just see what I needed and he would hand me something. I'd, I'd hand him something and grab it from him. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, it was so nice. Like usually cause you know, Tim's, he's only like 21. So he'll be playing on his phone or he's typically looking at 4chan or something like that. And, and I got like, Hey, all right, Tim, you forget something, you know what? Let's, let's keep it moving. But I don't know. I, I really enjoy working with him, man. I, I feel pretty blessed to be in the position that I'm in, man. Like I worked, I feel like I worked really hard to get here. Um, and, but I mean like now it's, you know, it. I feel like I'm on the other side of things. So now it's like, you know, things have been tough and things will get slow, but things always work out. Well, if, if that would have taken three hours, I would have been happy for the additional 90 minutes. Like, I appreciate that, man. No, it was the most cathartic thing because all I got to do was go, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. So you told me a couple of things and then I got to see this sort of system from beginning to end of what we were doing, this task or this project. And I just got to go, okay, why don't we do this? Or I'll have this queued up and ready to go so he's not waiting on me for the next thing to grab. And it was just like seeing this clear process. I know this sounds super geeky, but man, I fucking loved it because it was just, I got to put my phone away. I got to not be Tim. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I, I like that, man. We had, and we had good conversations too, man. We were just talking about just a lot of stuff, just catching up. And cause there was just, I mean, there's a lot, I didn't, I didn't know like what was going on with you and your business. Cause, um, just with just Airbnb had changed quite a bit. I didn't know you'd moved totally out of Pittsburgh. And so that was, it was nice catching up, man. I mean, honestly, you know, it wasn't as fun as hanging out on Polish Hill, but it was still a really <laughs> good time. Man, Gooskies. I haven't been to Gooskies in a fucking I hope, year. I hope Gooskies is still there, but I'm, I'm assuming that they own that property and everything. So hopefully they're still good to just reopen once things, um, if they, once your uh, evil tyrannical governor quits trying to like make people hide in their houses, but the good news is, is that it's snowy outside. So now people have a reason to stay at home. Yeah, I don't know. I I went to an illegal bar a couple nights ago. That was pretty delightful. That's cool. So illegal bars are existing in Pittsburgh right now. Yeah, um, all over the state. I I I got access to a list that is pretty widespread across the state. Like everyone I talked to that I would talk to about this has discovered this list either through me or through somebody else. And luckily one of the bars in the state is right in Butler here. It's a bar that I hadn't even been to and it's a dive total dive. But I went in there and there must've been a hundred people in there. And this is a place that a normal Tuesday night would have 30 people max. So it was great to see the place just overwhelmed. And, and for anyone who doesn't know, um, a week ago, the governor of Pennsylvania basically entirely shut down all bars. So I know I talk about going to bars a lot, and I have been going to bars a lot, but for a three-week-plus period until December 4th, all bars and restaurants, indoor anything, are shut down. He's allowing outdoor dining, which, yeah, that works great when it's fucking 20 degrees outside, um, and takeout. So now businesses are just openly flaunting the rules and saying, yeah, if you don't feel comfortable, don't come in. End of story. Dude, I would, I would, I mean, that's how it should have been this whole fucking time, man. Like, I, I, you know, man, like, if you guys didn't have your crazy Quaker alcohol laws, like, you, you guys are kind of used to doing weird things to get booze. Like, in my opinion, as somebody yeah. that's lived in Ohio, Ohio his whole life, like, 
you know, you have to go to a beer store to get beer. Well, where do you go to get liquor? Oh, you got to go to a wine spirits. You store go to, to Ohio. Get- <laughs> you just go to Ohio. But man, like, so they didn't close our liquor stores. So our liquor stores have been open the whole time. But we've been on a 10 p.m. curfew for bars and restaurants since summer. Yeah, I think that's still the case. Um, yeah, and so, so it's it's weird. So, like, we went to – the girlfriend and I went out, and we went to this this nice pizza place. And I don't want to say what it is, unfortunately, because I don't I – don't, you know, they don't need to take heat. But this guy, I mean, it's it's a family restaurant. I think you, I think, I'm pretty sure uh, Alex took you there, um, or he took no, he took you to. Um, it was in that area where you guys went out the night before, and um, I don't even want to say the area just because I don't want you know I don't want the health department coming after him. And uh, but so we were sitting there and we ordered some pizza, and it was like one of the first nights, and the guy was like. I was like, hey, you know, I'm not going to say anything if you want to serve me some more drinks. He goes, well, as long as you're not going to say anything, I'm not either. And the guy kept serving us. So I think he served us because you were allowed to stay open and serve food, but you have to close at 10. Like you can't sell booze after 10 because, you know, the the COVID monster will come out. Well, yeah, like for for months and months and months now, it's been, you know, you can't get a drink somewhere unless you have food. So every bar and restaurant, from what I could tell, if they even wanted to comply with the rules, like if they were worried about selling you a drink without food, they had their COVID menu where it's like, yeah, you could buy a strip of bacon for a dollar. Like shit like that. I think that's great. And I think that um, more spots should do that. I know, um, man, a lot of clubs, like it was weird. I was all set to go. So there was actually a a club that I was selling at. Actually, a guy from Pittsburgh runs it, and they, my buddy, went, and I was going to start selling there again, and then they just were like, once, <laughs> and the we didn't necessarily have shutdowns again, but like, just you know, Columbus is kind of left hard. Um, yeah, man, everybody outside is wearing a mask. Like people walking their fucking dog by themselves is they're wearing a mask. Yeah, I'm I'm grateful that I have my girlfriend because you know she's. Number one, she's a beautiful Amazonian woman because she's like six feet tall. But, you know, she's mixed, too. So whenever we go out, like I'll wear like I wear my my little uh, I wear my bullshit, man. Like when I go to restaurants that I it was one of those things. I remember you were we were going to one of my restaurants I sell to. I was like, hey, man, like I would never ask you this. but Oh, yeah. I know the owner and it's 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 a fucking bitch for him. So if you don't mind putting some on, you're like, ah, oh, I did it. I've done it all weekend, man. It's no big deal. It's like, cool, man, because you know, I respect you and I and I feel like I'm disrespecting you by even asking you to put a mask on. Am um, I that uneasy going? You're you're super easy going, but no, it's just I have that much respect for you. Like if if don't like respect to me, me. Well, to me it's like it's it's disrespectful to ask people to force people to wear masks. Um, I mean, number one, I don't, I don't know how it's not a violation of your personal freedom. I and mean, we live in fucking America, right? Like we're, aren't we supposed to be the land of Kings? So it's just like, you know, having somebody fundamentally give up a right with the bogus idea. I mean, and, and the weird thing is too, that the people that most people I know that buy into it have no control over their own life. 
or they don't, they're not somebody that's going to the beat of their own drum. It's, it's just, oh, well, it's, it's better for everybody. Why is it better for anybody? And if you ask about, well, there's studies that show it's a 50% efficacy. Okay, well, let's look at these studies. And they can't produce them because it's not even true. I mean, any, anybody, I mean, it's just, it's just fucking ridiculous. So that's, that's where I've been focused is, okay, what in my own life can I control? And that's, what's kept me sane up to this point. But also throughout 2020, I've actually paid attention to shit and I've bought into things and I'm tuned in to the world now. And I don't like being tuned into the world. Like it's a shitty feeling. And I'm, I've turned into a libertarian again, which like, that sounds yeah, good I, to any libertarian out there. That sounds good. No, it's fucking awful. It's like my horrible. life I, between when I used to care versus when I stopped caring about that and only focused on what was in my immediate sphere, my life got a whole lot better. And now I'm back into like giving a shit. Like, why do I care what's happening at the federal level? I didn't care for a decade. I didn't care. And now I care. I'm pissed about yeah, that. It. There was a funny question because we were like, okay, so I guess technically we're Trump supporters because, you know, we're not, we're not build back better. We're not team Davos great reset. But it, it, the interesting thing to me was, um, the, I went out and I, I actually did vote and I broke my streak and I was like, are you going <laughs> to vote? You're like, I mean, if it's convenient, I will, but I'm, it's probably not going to be convenient. So Is I'm that probably what I said? not going to vote. Yeah, nice. Said, I like that answer. Okay. He said, if it's going to be convenient for me that day, I'm going to go out and I'm going to vote. But if I'm busy, I'm not going to vote. I was like, me too. So I went and actually, man, like, I, I actually had a super productive day. I went up and I, I, uh, I'm, I hung out with my buddy Dutch, which I got to release the podcast. I'm going to start doing a podcast with my buddy Dutch in Detroit. And uh, he bought some beef and microgreens. And he's a, he's a super sharp dude. And so we had a good talk. And then I came back and like my parents who don't, they're not political. They like are dad, now. No, no. Oh, my okay. parents, are, my dad's a, a blue collar guy. He, I swear to God, he's, he's voted for the winner every time until this election, which is, you know, I don't want to get your YouTube channel terminated, but <laughs> we all know it's kind of fishy and we all voted down ticket Republican. I never, if you would have told me four years ago, Drew, in 2020, you're going to go and vote down ticket Republican, I would have laughed at you and I would have bet you $1,000. There's no fucking way I'm going to ever vote down ticket anything. Um, there's even no way I'm going to go vote again. But man, I went out, I voted down ticket Republican. And I was pretty happy. You know, Ohio went red and then we got like uh, impeachment articles from Mike DeWine, which I'm happy about. So I'm happy with the decision I made. It's it's going to be the last time I vote down ticket Republican. I know that. But I, I did it because I was like, man, the left is so crazy that screw it. They can have more of this. They need this. They need they need checked right now. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, now people can see who the establishment really is and who the establishment isn't. But I just want to say that I agree with you. Um, I brief, I got, I've, I've been so tuned in this year. I, it disgusts me. Yeah. Uh, I actually recently just realized like I was paying attention so much. I'm like, 
I'm not, this is not helping me make money. This is not helping me be a better entrepreneur. This is not, so I've, I've tuned out quite a bit. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm still, I pay attention enough still cause you kind of have to, but, um, you know, I, I am happy that I'm paying more attention to local stuff. Um, but you know, it felt good to see a red wave in Ohio. Like it felt good to kind of see that. Yeah. That. Why is it, why does it feel so good? Why does that red wave feel so good? Because the blue is just so insane. I mean, like, and, and this is something that's interesting, too. So I want to shout out Sonny Johnson. So for people that aren't familiar with, like, the Hoteps or anything. So I, I'm a big, I'm, a, I'm in the, you know, Hotep Jesus and Uncle Hoteps community. Shout out to Doe Dubes, too, who's a big, like, Doe Dubes is great. You would love Doe Dubes, Andrew. He's all about people just, you know, just, you know, take care of yourself financially. And they're big. They're they're so so they're quote unquote black conservatives, but they're not part of you know conservative Inc. Um, and something Sonny Johnson said, and it's kind of weird because like black conservatives aren't traditional conservatives. Like they're not they're not you know I I grew up when I grew up in Columbus it was really conservative. Like I grew up in Hilliard, and it was just you know it's kind of Bible Belt. I mean we were teaching abstinence till marriage in school and shit like that. We would have, um, we would have these people come and tell us like the the safest form of sex is no sex. You shouldn't masturbate. You shouldn't do any of this shit. And it was, it was pretty crazy. And my my mom, I would say, is very socially conservative, but she says she's modest, and that's actually probably the better term. Like if I had a sister. There's no way she ever could have left the house with a skirt on that was that was any higher than her knees. I mean, there's no way. Um, my mom just, it's, that's just not, you know, you don't need to, you know, there's no reason to dress like a slut. You know, and that's what my mom would probably say. If and I now ask I'm, my parents, hey, when I was growing up, did I ever leave the house with a skirt on that was, that was higher than my knees? They would have a 50-50 chance of getting that answer correct. <laughs> do you have, uh, do you have sisters? No, only child. Okay, so I got I got two brothers. This is I'm why like, I'm such a prick. I don't think you're a prick, Andrew. I think I think your disposition to the world is actually quite refreshing, because you actually because you are very focused on self improvement and you're very honest, and that's and and I think that's so refreshing. Like my one of my best friends is an only child, and he's two of my best friends are actually only ch- children, and they say some crazy shit. Cause they're not, it's, I think there's a certain freedom as to when you're an only child because you don't, you're not kind of competing to get your word in, in a sense, um, with, uh, I, there's definitely disadvantages to it too. I mean, nothing's perfect, but I think there's a certain freedom and liberty that comes with being an only child when it comes to speech and being able to express yourself. Um, and I could be wrong, but I notice it like there's there's you, my buddy Jason, and my buddy Michael Jordan, and all three of you guys like are pretty like you'll say some things that actually I think make a lot of sense or I actually agree with, but I know a lot of people would find it offensive, and I think it's stupid for them to find it offensive. And I I don't have specific examples with you, but I think like it's it's a certain level of abrasiveness that I think a lot of people need in the world. So 
maybe this ties in with with that statement, but over the past several months, I've been watching relationships, not romantic relationships necessarily, but relationships between family members and friends devolve because of all the division. Because just like me, everyone else is tuned in, right? So I have a good friend. Um, She is terrified of the virus. Yet she still goes to work every day, and she store. I I had to I had to just whatever snooze her on Facebook or whatever because she's just constantly posting about things, and I'm so compelled to comment. And all it's going to do is it's going to make her dislike me even more. And she's a very good friend, and I'm friends with her entire fucking family. And her dad is a small business owner. He's also a union guy, but he is very much red pilled on everything. So I see what he is saying, and I just go, yeah, fuck yeah. Like, he's right on everything. And I just see what she is saying, and I'm going, there has to be conflict there. Like, I haven't yeah. seen it. I haven't, you know, been at those family dinners, but I know there's got to be conflict. And on top of that, uh, Larry, who's been on this show a bunch of times, he has been ousted from, from some friends. Like, apparently, uh, there is a, a big group chat from all my high school friends I'm not a part of it. I'm not welcome in this group chat because I think within this group chat, there's a lot of this is going to sound very misogynistic or MGTOWY, but uh, there's a lot of wives in this group chat that uh, don't work. So they have all sorts of time to lead the discussion here and they lead it in a certain way because they live in a million dollar house and don't work and all they have to do is sit there and watch cnn and get terrified by everything so that comes through in the group chat and the limit being leftist at one point um somebody in this group chat not a female actually a dude who i like this guy a lot he's a really nice guy been friends with him for a long time uh he just said something to the effect of i don't ever want to talk to anybody who voted for trump so Larry made the mistake of saying, I voted for Trump. And sure enough, the dude stuck to his principles and Larry was ousted from the group. And I'm sure a lot of people in the group were like, dude, you went too far there. Like you're being too harsh. Like Larry's our friend. But lifelong friendships are being destroyed over this. And it's, it absolutely has to be affecting families. And this is just the stuff that I'm witnessing, not even being a part of it. Because I'm not even invited to this discourse and this dialogue. Because people already know what my standpoint is. People already know I don't trust things. And I've only ever had one explicit falling out with a friend. And that was 11 or 12 years ago when I got into a 10-hour long debate in person with a friend of mine, one of my best high school friends. He was uh, going to school to be a cop. And this was right after the San Francisco BART shooting. And I showed him the video and I go, how can you say that cops are always innocent after watching that video? Over and over and over, I kept asking that. And he just kept saying, well, you didn't see what happened before that. And this is where the guy was handcuffed on his knees with six cops pointing guns at him. Right. And then the guy got executed on the the San Francisco BART station. But at that point, I excommunicated that friend from my life. And it's very funny that 11 years later, now all the females in the group are just like, yeah, uh, all cops are bastards. Yeah, and now I feel like I'm defending cops. Right. So it's, it's such a weird thing, man. I I, I feel like, um, yeah, it, I actually had this conversation with Nick Hazelton. Nick Hazelton called me 
and we we talked quite a bit about you know back in 2000 13 14 i Price, mean man, back I in was, 2013 nick hazelton was like an was a fucking zygote <laughs> yeah he was so he was so young uh but like i remember being on facebook um and just sharing multiple videos of cops just doing horrible things to people and my biggest thing has always been you know you know i'm a union kid and for anybody that doesn't know, like my, my grandpa, my one grandpa was union president for the railroad. My other grandfather worked, um, I mean, the 798 pipe, pipe fitters union. I mean, that, my whole family is, is we, we are, I mean, I, I'm a, if there wasn't fossil fuels, I'm not sure I'd be alive. Um, if there wasn't fossil fuels, I'm not sure that a lot of people on the planet would be alive. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, so, I mean, like, my dad, he, he's, he's an inspector now. And, like, and this, and this is something else that's interesting because you, you, you brought up a lot of stuff, and I, and I want to kind of tie it in. So, like, Donald Trump has effectively pulled the blue-collar Democrat to vote Republican um, because – or he's, he's, he's basically reactivated a bunch of de- disenfranchised voters, which I think a lot of the blue-collar – vote had because i mean there's there's unions you'll see come out and say oh we're backing you know we're backing the democrat or whatever but the the actual union members aren't um my people that work for a living don't like the democrats and and it, and it's and it's because a lot of them feel forgotten a lot of them feel like they they haven't been included and a lot of them probably would would tell you they don't like donald trump personally like a lot of them like what he does, but they don't necessarily. It's like I like what he does for this country, but I don't like him as a person. Like I don't like New Yorkers. I think they're annoying. I don't like how much of a show off he is. I don't like, um, and and a lot of that too. I think is regional with blue collars as well. Um, but but I know that a lot of for the first time traditionally, um, the union guys like my dad's brothers. A couple of them that weren't union uh, welders, um, they, they they were all at one time in the union. But a lot of them that had like, my one uncle made money in sales, was a stockbroker. My other uncles worked in the nursing field. He's not technically really a nurse anymore, I don't think. But my other uncles that were like, you know, welders, blue collar, they'd always vote Democrat. But when Trump came around, they voted Trump for the first time ever. I saw all my uncles kind of unite and vote together. So I know a lot of families became divided, but what was kind of weird is my family kind of became unified. Um, and that was on my dad's side. My mom's side, I'm not really sure. Her Like my mom is, my mom and stepdad, like they've, it's so weird. Like my mom, like I said, I mean, she's just a, a card carrying Democrat. Like she thinks they still represent the working class or thinks they still do something for some reason they think Obama was this great president. Um, but they're terrified, man. I mean, my mom, you know, she still goes shopping all the time and goes out in public, but I mean, they, they, my mom's like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a high risk person. And she, you know, technically she is a high risk person, but she's 62. But I mean, this, this whole fear mongering is just insane. I mean, my, it, I, I don't even understand like, um, I don't, I don't understand the, 
I understand that it's programming, but it's it's like my mom, and I'll just talk to her now. Like it's it's hard to like talk to her about the big picture, but like she doesn't think it's okay. Like, but when I say like, "Hey, mom, what do you think?" Like all Trump supporters are trying to put on a list. Like that's not cool. And she goes, "Well, honey, that's just that is not the Democrats. That is a small." that is a small percentage of them. Like, and it's like, well, they're some, some of them, sometimes they're the loudest voices in the room. I mean, lists, lists are a scary thing to me. Like that's, I mean, if you get put on a list, I mean, but I think it's like my mom is, is so disconnected from what the democratic party is now. And there are Democrats that are standing up to this and saying we're, we're not for the democratic socialism, but to kind of get back to like Sonny Johnson, cause I've been all over the place Something Sonny Johnson said, like on election night, like she was on Hotep's Been Told You when they were covering it. And she said, you know, the issue is, is that. And and Michael Malice kind of says this, too, like, you know, conservatives, quote unquote, because we're considered the new right, you know, or conservatives, but we're not we're not conservatives. You know what I mean? Like, we just want to be left the fuck alone. Right. Like we're 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 functional degenerates. We're well-kept degenerates. I mean, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, we're, we both enjoy bourbon. We both enjoy getting drunk. We both enjoy saying inappropriate things, inappropriate jokes. Like we're blue collar dudes. We're from blue collar cities. Like we are not traditional cons- quote unquote conservatives. Am I a blue collar dude? I never thought about that. You're a blue collar dude, man. You, you're from Pittsburgh. You're into punk rock. I mean, you don't you don't really dress like a blue collar guy. Like you wear slacks and stuff. And actually, not anymore, I, I, man. I live in Butler. Well, I like that though. But you you're 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 we're Rust Belt kids. Even if you came from a family that had some money, culturally, you're from the Rust Belt, right? You're also from the hills. I'm a different kind of hillbilly than you are because Pittsburgh air is kind of its own thing. But we're both Appalachian. I'm a steel billy. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's it's Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh culturally, and the Pittsburgh surrounding area, Eastern Pennsylvania in general. Eastern, no, Western. Western Pennsylvania. I'm sorry, Western Pennsylvania in general. I think is super fascinating culturally, Um, because I mean, like, I mean, just like the whole Pittsburgh dad phenomenon and all that stuff. Like, and just you know, Pittsburgh. There's Pittsburgh bars. All over the fucking country. All over I the mean, world. All over the world. In Costa there's, Rica, there were Steelers bars. Right? So, I mean, so culturally, there's something that is special about Pittsburgh um, and the Pittsburgh area. So, we're, we're blue-collar dudes. Um, but the whole thing is this, man. Like, So, you, you see my neighborhood, right? Um, Ohio's super gerrymandered. I mean, like the Republicans have their territory, the Democrats have their territory. I mean, it's very, it's it's very much so two sides of the same coin, or two, you know, you know what I mean, like different sides of the same coin. Um, now there are a lot of non-establishment that are starting to come up, but you know, something in my neighborhood, man, I had this Democratic Socialist coming around. And she's talking about making minimum wage, $15 an hour and all this shit. And as, as a small business owner, um, I don't like that shit. I mean, like there's before this, this uh, fake economic crisis, this manufactured economic crisis, you could go get a job washing dishes with a fancy ass dishwashing machine 
for $15 an hour in Columbus. And maybe you might even be able to get $16 an hour because jobs were good. They couldn't keep a good dishwasher on because it was, you, there, was, there was more jobs open than there were people to fill them. So basically we had, um, you know, illegal Mexicans that were filling. I mean, I'm not hating on them because they worked their fucking asses off. I mean, like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be political. I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what I've, what I've experienced living in Columbus. So what are we talking about? $15 and a mandatory minimum $15 an hour when there's plenty of jobs hiring for that. People just don't want to go and work or people haven't get been given the proper skills to go out in the world and function. I mean, maybe they have emotional outbursts. Maybe they, you know, they, they've been, they have bad PTSD because of their shitty fucking upbringing. Like that's probably very real in the neighborhood where my house is. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, the issue is, is that where there's issues, progressives and socialists are going to go and give the, give, put their ideas out and their sexy ideas to poor people. Yeah, we're going to take all the money from the rich people that, you know, sit around and do nothing and get tons of money and exploit you. And we're going to give it to you. They're going to get behind that. And the biggest issue is, is that conservatives aren't they're playing so much defense to Democrats that they're not going out there and putting out their ideas. And unfortunately, right, or they're the compromising for, you know, 40 percent of whatever the person holding the free shit sign is asking for correct and and it's just like you know what michael malice like um you know that was i i i didn't realize how much i needed the second tim pool michael malice alex jones podcast in my life until last uh friday but you know michael malice man that dude you know i got i got a lot of respect for him and i know i know you enjoy his uh writing as well um but, you know, something he was saying, like, you know, like maybe instead of just guaranteeing like fighting gun control, maybe you should do what the left does and mandate gun ownership and put fines in place unless you own a gun because it's our it is our fundamental right as an American citizen to be able to own an arm or to be able to physically defend yourself with a cannonball with a cannon if you need to. You know what I mean? I mean, like it's it's. I mean, you, you could have cannons back in the day if you wanted to. And, that, and, and it's just like, you know, so, so mandate it. You know what I mean? Like make it so you have a legal responsibility to have a firearm and defend yourself. And, and it's just like we, the, the, the conservatives don't think that way. And as you said, being a libertarian, like how much it sucks to be a libertarian. Like, you know, the worst thing about libertarians is, is they just like to sit on the sidelines and criticize things. They don't actually like to do anything. They typically go to their jobs and they're unhappy and they and they just want to say they just want to sound different because I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. And I'm saying this from experience from when I was a libertarian. So, um, yeah, man. So I, I didn't mean to get on this rant, but I mean, like we, I really identified with the fact that it's like, man, I feel like I'm a libertarian again. Like uh, Antifa kind of ruined me being able to say I'm an anarchist. Yeah, I know. Right. But so this brings up a really good point, at least in my mind. So with that rant, with all of that thinking, we are 40 some minutes into this recording that I thought was going to be about business and real estate and how much of it has been about getting sucked into this political shit. So my question to you is how much of this shit 
is taking over your brain power and your life that could be focused on your business or on your next real estate deal. So, so that's, that's like, so that's kind of the bitch of the situation. Right. And I think like, so recently I asked myself ways like the lockdowns are affecting you directly. I get that. Definitely, man. I mean, it definitely is. is. It's, it's like, you know, like I was joking, but not joking. Like I, I, I use so much, I actually, I cut back on cannabis use too. And I think I was telling you this the last time I was like, you know, Andrew, I'm just so fucking angry because of what's going on. Uh, people just willingly, um, accepting tyranny and, and just authoritarianism and just welcoming it. Like it made me so angry that I just start just smoking a ton of cannabis and it hasn't allowed me to kind of like pull like it, it's what I needed to like kind of pull out and stay in my creative bubble. So I, I to, to quite honestly, man, until this week, um, you know, I, I wasn't doing a lot of things to go make money. I wasn't trying to pick up new business with the farm. I mean, like there's a, I mean, there's, there's, I've been affected by this quite a bit, man. And I think everybody has, um, and to pretend like you haven't, I mean, you're, you're, you're lying to yourself. Right. And I, Cause like so, I'm driving around and I'm going, okay, I have my list of podcasts and usually I go chronologically, like whatever was released longest to go is what I listen to first, right? Whatever is oldest in my queue and I'll just go through whatever it is, it is. But I found myself lately going, okay, am I in the right mindset to listen to a business podcast or a financial podcast? No? Uh, okay. I have been. If I'm not, then I'm going to listen to fucking Tom Woods or, or something, right? Like that, I can always consume. No matter what my mindset is, I will always default to something that could be more politically oriented than business oriented. And that's not a good sign. Like that's an indicator for me that where's my mind? Where's my focus? That's not yeah, good. I- because my politics should be my my business deals. My politics should be my my business is my politics. You know, I was so inspired by um, Cody R. Wilson. I mean, this is back in like 2013. The 3D printer gun on, guy. Yeah, when he went on Glenn Beck and Glenn Beck. So where are you at politically? And he pointed at his gun that he made and he said, "These are this is my politics. What I created. That's my politics." And I think like for me, it was like I need to have a business or I need to have an expression of myself that that's my politics. So like my farm is my politics and I I feel really good about that. But, you know, I was thinking about that, too. Like I took pride. I take pride in whenever I go to restaurants. It's like, oh, the microgreens guys here. I, I try to know people's names. I, you know, I say hi to people. How you doing? This, that. Just yeah, ask you questions. make everybody feel good. Everybody that encounters you feels better after they leave a discussion with you. That's that's my goal. But I start. It's like you can't not talk about right, it, right? And you can't not get pissed when I'm seeing when I'm seeing business owners that like. Look, I'm just gonna say like, most people that own restaurants aren't good business owners because they never would have started a restaurant if they were like really business savvy because there's not a lot of money in it. But you know what, man? The number one form of entertainment is going out to eat and going out to get drinks, at least in Columbus, Ohio. And I know that Columbus, Ohio, if you can scale it in Columbus, you can scale it anywhere in the United States 95% of the time. And the only place where that doesn't really work out is L.A. and New York City because they're pretty much countries. So... When I'm seeing like small businesses fail, 
not because they weren't good business people, but because, you know, this, this whole thing has just been designed to kill small business. The economy is small business, right? That is what it drives the economy. Big box stores are not the economy. That's like you the can planned go, economy, I mean, though. What's that? That's the planned economy. That's the controlled economy. You can't control mom and pop. Mom and pop, if they wanted to be controlled, they'd go and get jobs. So, so I, well, I want to I want to wrap up this topic and, and really try to move on from this because um, I don't want it to be about okay, twenty twenty politically. Here's why we're upset because there's yeah. plenty of that content out there, right? Correct. Yeah. But I'm at least gonna pat myself on the back a little bit and say I've been warning about politicians just using safety as the mechanism to push through anything. I've been saying that in regards to cars for as long as I can remember. And and cars were always the best example. Now, well, the shutdown's the best fucking example. But it's, it's, it's never ending. It's never going away. And it's very easy to scare a bunch of moms by using safety. And that's going to keep going. And by the way, I didn't finish this thought either. Um, my beautiful Amazonian girlfriend refuses to wear a mask anywhere. The only time she does is when I, unfortunately, we go and eat at one of my restaurants. And I'm like, can, can you, so she'll just put a scarf over her face. You know what I mean? But like, we go out on purpose. And if people say something to us together, and honestly, man, like I bitch out a lot when I'm not with her. And I'll put a mask on because it's free advertisements. And I'm like, I don't. I don't want to deal with any of this shit. Like I don't need to like, I don't need to talk to some fucking worker bee that just wants to express their power. You know, some fucking bug working at some box store. Um, but you know, I, I when I'm with her, I'm not going to bitch out. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be the guy who's wearing his mask when his girlfriend's not. Yeah. So shout out to her and she's a mom and she's fucking tough and she, you know what I mean? Like she's had it. She's been dealt a tough. She's been dealt a shitty hand of cards, and she's making the most of them. And she's standing up for what she believes in. So, you know, I think more women need to do that. Well, I think more more people need to do that. So, anyways, keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt like that. No, I just want to give her a I'll, shout. I'll out. say you're, you're lucky you have that because I'm at a point where I'm kind of done with a lot of people because all it does is it gets me angry. When they just yeah. say, oh, just just do this. It's not a big deal. It's just a mask. It's just whatever. I don't... Uh, they're not going to wrap it's their minds around... Right. It's just a vaccine. And so I don't want to have those discussions. And I'm kind of at a point where I'm like, okay, why waste my time dealing with these yeah. people? And it's not like these are people online. It's not like this is what people normally bitch about. Oh, it's people on Facebook. No, these are people in real life. I'm at a, I'm at a point where I'm just done dealing with it. My fucking grandma... She made the mistake of of calling me a couple days ago and saying, "How are you?" And <laughs> unfortunately for her, I had just gotten back from South Carolina, and I was looking forward to getting back home and hitting the gym hard and going and grabbing a drink. And that very day, I learned that oh, the new rules are gyms and drinks are both closed. So. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, she was the recipient of a bunch of unwanted red pills. And uh, yeah. I felt really bad about that afterwards. And I, I could have gone a lot deeper. But she just kept saying, well, you got to follow the rules. And I'm just, uh, all I could think about is I go, 
you're a fucking 85-year-old Jew. You should know better. But uh, that bummed me out. And I, I, I'm realizing I'm just this week, I'm coming to the conclusion, like, I need to stop wasting my fucking time with this and wasting my time with people. And this is very, this is a depressive thought. Like, But this is comforting because I, I felt this too, like, this week. It's like, um, this is how it's business, is like right now to be a successful entrepreneur, you know, any, any, any level one entrepreneurial books will tell you cut out the negative people in your life yeah and focus on on what you can control and unfortunately like people that weren't negative are all becoming negative but the weird thing is is that we're becoming negative to them exactly and and it's it's by design it's some programming that's going off in certain people and not in others so i think though um you know the biggest thing is just focusing on empathy and gratitude, man. And well, I think like, you know, I, I, through all this, man, when, when this shit first started, one of the first things I did was reconnect with like my very first mentor in business, like my, my, my good friend, Greg Baldwin. And, you know, he taught me, he's the guy that, that taught me like made pointed me in the direction of libertarianism, which eventually led to where I am today. And like, you know, through freedom to fascism, you know, Drew, the Federal Reserve, it's not really, you know, if you want to make money, you need to understand how it works. And so I think like the, the, the positive thing right now, man, is just that how many people are, are, are becoming aware that elections are rigged? How many people are becoming aware that establishment politicians, just because they have an R or a D in front of their name, doesn't mean that they give a fuck about you, especially if... The, chi- the CCP is giving them a bunch of money. So, you know, like, there's freedom in that. And there is going to be people that want to hear what you have to say and want to do business with you and will be relieved. But, man, I know on both sides of the equation, it's infected everything. And, and, it, and it's on both sides. I, I mean, my uncle, he's a project manager. You know, he's not a, he's not a grunt welder anymore. And he's a project manager for a welding company in Texas. And he said he went out and like people are trying to get his business. And one of the first things the guy wants to do is talk about how great Trump is and how Democrats are evil and all this shit. And my uncle's just like, he doesn't know where my political standing is. Like I'm here to do business. Right. Why isn't he talking about business? But that gets back to my question too. Why aren't we talking about business? So why are we focused on this shit? Number one, I think that you and I both need a little bitch this is this is for us, I think. Like you and I, like I think we do bond over our similar dispositions in the world. Our you know what I mean? What's that? Our laments. Yeah, yeah, and I think like it, it is business related. Like it's been forced into our businesses. Like I can't go to Kori. I've been wanting to rejoin Ria and get back into it and start networking and doing all that stuff, but. How can, like, they're doing their best to, to, to get rid of people who, who either have cash-based jobs, bartenders, service industry, cash-based businesses. I mean, it's all about separating people. So I think, like, business-wise is, um, you know, for business, it's like, for me, I'm just 
trying to find the people that I can fuck with. Like, I mean, like, um, I'm, I'm re, I, I was so stoked yesterday, man. Like my one chef that I really like my, 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 my boy, Julian, like Julian just left the kitchen and now he's, he's becoming like the main mead maker at this meadery in Columbus. And it's a great meadery brothers, Drake. So, I have deep connections in, in mead ma- of mead makers, like very good mead makers. And so, but I also have this like dormant promotions company. So yesterday I went there and I saw the warehouse and him and I talked and we're going to start planning like an, a, a mead making event for July. Um, and it's just like, you know, so I think like the, I, I've been in this lull and this week, man, like I really like, I, you know, like, man, like I was feeling sorry for myself. I was just like, Oh, you know, there's these businesses with this and I, I should do this. And then, you know, I had, you know, my mastermind Monday. Um, then I had this, uh, meeting that I, I, I had Monday, like just with this, this other money-making opportunity. And I was just like, okay, like, and then like Tuesday happened and it, it was getting better than, and I got all these orders. And then Wednesday I harvested and got all these orders and my, my cash flow started coming back. And it was just like, and at the same time, like a good friend of mine said, you know, maybe you just need to unplug from all that political stuff. Like I like talking to you about it because I don't want to look at it myself, but I usually agree with what you tell me. So it's like just unplugging to a certain extent so your mind can just kind of express yourself so you can just go out in the world. And I think it's OK to make your own observations, but don't put yourself in an echo chamber. Like, don't go out and do that. Like, still look for deals. Like, still go look for houses. I mean, because people are going to be hurting here real soon, man. I mean, like, it's not really looking like they're going to stop a lot of people from getting evicted. Yeah, and I've been, I've been having some real motivation problems over the past, at least Me over t- the past week, and. Me- it's it's hitting hard, and I'm thinking, okay, is it because so much of my focus is on all this political bullshit? Is it because, you know, why is it? So I'm, I'm trying to analyze all the things that are happening in my life right now. And if, if, I, if I was you, Andrew, I would go listen to music and drive your car really fast, one of your fast cars really fast, or just go driving and just go looking around and just get, get in your zone of music and just get in your space of, like, just like when I came and visited you, like we didn't listen to anybody talk. We barely talked. It was me, you, and Alex driving a hundred miles an hour through Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, that's when I had a fast at, car. Looking at, looking at properties, looking at properties, and I was like, "Yeah, show me this neighborhood," because I was like, "Man, Pittsburgh's so cool. You got all these different neighborhoods, and it's it's all pretty decentralized." It's- Wait till your next trip. You're gonna see the river. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's so many rivers. <laughs> You're gonna and, see the river <laughs> I like. Yeah, but you know what I mean. So I think like if you're dealing with motivation, like go out. It's beautiful this time of the year. Get your tunes on, and like, man, like I, I, I decided like you know what, I'm I'm done listening to this shit. I'm done. Like I was I was way too deep into Telegram. I. I was on my phone way too much. My girlfriend was like, you're just on your phone all the time. And I'm like, fuck, I hate being that guy. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, you know, get, you know, just get tunes going and get in that, that mind. I think now's a good time to listen to music. You really like now's a good time to watch, man. I've been watching the old school South park. You know what I mean? Like 
I really enjoyed I really enjoyed like uh, watching that show Utopia I was talking about when I was sick because I got sick last week and that sucked. But it was like, um, you know, I think so. That's that's what you should go to is like looking for a place to get you to to reset and get back in like the creative mindset that we need to be in. It's just like like I feel like it's it's tough to get back and like let me just own my like focus on owning your space yeah because i think i've corrupted my reset time like i really me too you know i did what? too i'm gonna get into this but we're gonna take a quick break because we're, we're just over an hour i got pee me too As your face- 